This is an RNZ podcast. I mean, one of the things that we're really lucky about these days is that New Zealand Prime Ministers go to APEC and East Asian Summit, and in a non-COVID environment, that's when you actually probably get a lot more face time. I mean, that's how I got to know Barack Obama so well and why we end up playing golf. That was former Prime Minister John Key on the AM show back in June when his successor, Jacinda Ardern, was about to meet President Biden for the first time. And while John Key evidently enjoyed 18 holes in Hawaii with President Obama, it turned out that he wouldn't actually have voted for him if he'd been an American at the time, according to this. And finally, if you were in the States 2016, Clinton or Trump? Oh, Trump. But, I mean, you know, I'm a right-wing voter and I'm never voting left. I'm not saying it would have been the right decision, but <laughs> just saying it's what I would have done. Awesome. That was Sir John on the youth political podcast Both Sides Now, recently saying he would have voted for Trump, who also really loves his golf, in the 2016 US presidential election. And Sir John also said he'd vote for Bolsonaro in the current one in Brazil if he could. Now, those were just off-the-cuff comments on a niche political podcast, but it wasn't surprising they were turned into news by our mainstream media when you consider that one of his successors as National Party leader, Todd Muller, was caught up in a controversy that ran for days when he showed a reporter a MAGA hat that he had in his office. But while John Key said he couldn't back the political left on principle, you can't get much more to the left than the Communist Party in China. But in an RNZ podcast last year called Red Line, Sir John told RNZ's guy in Espina that President Xi Jinping is a mate. He calls me a friend, and I think he sort of means that. So you're a friend of Xi Jinping? Well, I mean, I don't want to overstate things. He might take me off his Christmas card list, but he does send one every year. And this week, Sir John endorsed the achievements of the Chinese Communist Party and a Chinese state media outlet, The Global Times. In an article headlined New Journey to the Next Glorious Century, John Key hailed Comrade Xi's historic achievements, including eradication of absolute poverty and building prosperity, while in contrast... The US and many parts of the Western world are stuck in a plight of governance to the extent that they have become a source of instability for the world. And there's no question who governs in the People's Republic of China. Sir John also told the Global Times the bureaucracy in China has done a very good job lifting people out of poverty and improving opportunities for the least well-off in China. While internationally, China's Belt and Road Initiative, he said, was crucially important to non-inflationary, highly productive growth around the world. And he also said that China has concerns about growing inequality and social unrest, born with it, when looking at what's going on in the West. Now, the director of the New Zealand Contemporary China Research Centre at Victoria University in Wellington, Jason Young, then told NewsHub that Sir John's comments to the Global Times were classic Chinese government talking points. And he added, It's notable that not a lot of other former prime ministers from liberal democracies had contributed. But among those who did take part was the current Prime Minister of Pakistan, a former president of Slovenia, and a member of the Russian Duma, who's been sanctioned by New Zealand, the US and Europe over his backing of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and who recently accused Germany's Chancellor of imitating Hitler because he'd spoken up for Ukraine. Now, coincidentally, other headlines in the Global Times this week included one about a delegate to the Chinese Communist Party's National Congress this week saying people of all ethnic groups enjoy security, stability, development and progress in Xinjiang. And another article, also based on another delegate at that National Congress, said foreign firms remain optimistic over China's development. 
And there were plenty more rosy headlines related to that party congress that's currently underway, which is the reason that China's state-controlled media are calling and quoting Sir John Key and other allies this week in the first place. Now that 20th National Congress of the Chinese Communist Party is a big deal, as TVNZ reporter Kushla Norman described in an explainer video ahead of the gathering this week. Something massive is about to kick off in Beijing. Xi Jinping looks set to score himself an unprecedented third term in power at the Communist Party Congress. He's already spent 10 years in the hot seat. Xi has paved the way for his re-selection by purging political rivals, not naming a successor and scrapping the two-term presidential limit. Behind the closed doors of the Great Hall, 200 Communist Party elites pick their leader and the core leadership team to run China for the next five years. A third term would break the pattern set since the limit was imposed in 1982, and it would cement Xi as China's most powerful leader since Mao Zedong, who ruled for nearly 30 years. And in its podcast, Stuff Explained, Stuff turned to Dominion Post editor Anna Fifield, who was a Beijing bureau chief for the Washington Post in the past. It's really quite a spectacle because the stage is, you know, red carpet, bedecked in red, hammer and sickle behind the, um, behind the leaders. It's quite funny to watch everybody clapping in unison and just the kind of adulation for the leader, Xi Jinping, um, that breaks out across that huge hall. Um, I did notice one time when I was in there at one of these meetings that they actually ran an absentee list on a big screen and 11 people people were missing, and I was thinking I would really not want to be one of those delegates who was missing. Fascinating stuff. And these political events are so big that the Chinese state news agency Xinhua has developed its own AI-driven research and reporting tool called Media Brain. In this video from 2018, Xinhua explained how it was deployed at the epic annual Two Sessions conference that year. Thousands of documents, reports, photographs and articles are produced at political events like the two sessions. And MediaBrain has been busy collecting this data, scanning images and crunching numbers, basically so we don't have to. On March the 5th, MediaBrain identified that the word development was the most mentioned word in this year's government work report. The word in second place, reform, was more frequently used in any other work report in the past five years. And among the patterns picked up when the media brain scanned the archives was this. Counter-revolution in yellow disappeared in 1994. Labour reform, which is there in blue, was gone by 1996. And re-education, which you can see in green, fell out of use by 2011. But having international human reporters on the ground covering something as significant as this Chinese Communist Party Congress is a much better idea. And last Sunday, under the banner China Emerging Empire, TVNZ's Kushla Norman covered the opening like this. A glimpse into the inner workings of Chinese politics, seen just once every five years. The Communist Party Congress is where a small group of elites is picked to run the world's most populous nation. At the top, this man most likely, Xi Jinping is on track for a historic third term and could rule for life. His opening speech will be scrutinised for shifts in tone on his zero-COVID policy through to taking control of Taiwan. It was indeed, and that was where Kushla Norman actually was. The day before on One News, she was introduced like this. Kushla is with us now from Taipei. She's there as travel to China is restricted. Tenakwe Kushla, the Congress gets underway tomorrow. What will people in Taiwan be looking out for? 
Kia ora, Melissa. Well, I think people here will be looking for what Xi Jinping has to say on Taiwan, what kind of signals he might send, what kind of statement he might make. Taiwan is a democratic self-ruled island. China claims it and wants to unify it with the mainland, which most people here oppose. But because China regards Taiwan as part of its own state, that's a huge diplomatic problem for the world, us included, as Kushla Norman went on to explain. So who comes to Taiwan's defence if conflict does break out? Well, the US is a big backer. Recently, they approved a very large arms deal to supply Taiwan with arms. That angered China because US also doesn't have diplomatic relations with Taiwan. So it's all very complicated and confusing. But some people watching One News' coverage were confused about why analysis of this Chinese Communist Party landmark five-yearly meeting was coming from the nearby nation that's a thorn in China's side. TVNZ viewers were told the trip was funded by the New Zealand Asia Foundation, which has for years given small grants to news organisations for reporters to travel and, in its words, demystify Asia for New Zealand audiences. But former Prime Minister Helen Clark was mystified by TVNZ's China coverage coming from Taiwan, judging by this on social media this week. Utterly bizarre. It shows lack of depth in TVNZ capacity to understand the world, but not surprising given low priority given to covering international affairs through New Zealand eyes. As you heard there, One News viewers were told Kushla Norman was reporting from Taiwan because travel to China is restricted. And while people arriving into Beijing are subject to mandatory 14-day quarantine still, international journalists are still covering the issues. For example, the BBC's China correspondent Stephen McDonnell reported on the government's ongoing dynamic zero-COVID strategy this week. Many people feel that zero-COVID has become as much about politics as it is about science and that this stems from Xi Jinping becoming China's most powerful leader since Chairman Mao. And Stephen McDonnell also visited Zhangbei in northern China, where President Xi recently dropped in with state media in tow to suggest that farmers should grow a smaller type of spud. Who knows whose idea it really was. It doesn't matter because Xi's role in this has now become part of Communist Party folklore. So was it then entirely appropriate to be reporting on the People's Republic of China and its future direction from Taiwan? Well, TVNZ's acting head of news, Phil O'Sullivan, told Media Watch this week that Kushla Norman's six-day trip was intended to report on Taiwan's relationship to New Zealand, but they timed it to coincide with that Chinese Communist Party Congress, given the likelihood that President Xi would address that thorny issue of Taiwan. And the fact that he did validated their decision, Phil O'Sullivan told us. Now, going to Beijing itself would have been logistically and financially prohibitive, he said, because of visa rules and restrictions on movement. And it would also have had limited editorial value, he said, because of the restrictions that TVNZ believed would be in place within Beijing during the Communist Party Congress. Now, before TVNZ's Kushla Norman left for Taiwan... She also interviewed China's ambassador to New Zealand, Wang Xiaolong, about what she called the crushing of dissent in Hong Kong and Xinjiang province. And she bluntly also asked the ambassador if Xi Jinping will invade Taiwan during a third term as president. Though we only know that all of that was discussed because the Embassy of the People's Republic of China here in New Zealand posted a full transcript of that encounter on its website. So far, only snippets from that interview have appeared in two of Kushla Norman's four reports this past week, including this one aired on Thursday. 
We're willing to work out a solution uh, between the two sides of the uh, Taiwan Strait on the basis of one country, two systems. Now that report also included Taiwan's Foreign Minister Joseph Wu, who told Kushler Norman they were inspired by the international support for Ukrainians standing against Russia. Even Taiwan and New Zealand supporting Ukraine in different ways. Uh, and therefore, international support, continuous international support for Ukraine uh, is also a very important factor for the Ukrainians to continue to fight for their freedom. And I think it should be the same for Taiwan. Taiwan's Economic and Cultural Office in New Zealand was pretty pleased with that TVNZ report, tweeting it out on its account with the hashtag StandWithTaiwan. And Taiwan's Foreign Ministry also shared the online version of that on social media, which included a four-and-a-half-minute video interview with Joseph Wu, insisting that Taiwan will resist pressure from China. Now, that prompted some critics to complain that TVNZ could be seen as taking a side in this sensitive subject. But Catherine Churchman, lecturer in Asian Studies at Victoria University of Wellington, told MediaWatch this week that TVNZ reporting on the China-Taiwan situation from Taiwan and on the cementing of Xi Jinping's rule in the People's Republic of China really was a good thing for New Zealand viewers. Oh, definitely, and I think it's it's a corrective to... Um, years of focusing on what's going on in English-speaking countries, uh, particularly at the detriment um, of um, looking at what is going on in countries where English is not spoken, where we can't just take media reporting straight directly from them. It was a very good thing to do, actually, and it's very important for New Zealand as well. If you have a trading partner uh, the size of China, we really need to be paying attention to their internal politics more. TVNZ has had a bit of criticism for reporting the Congress itself from Taiwan. Uh, This was in part because travel to China is restricted, with the words they used. Uh, So former Prime Minister Helen Clark, for example, saying that this was a bad decision. Well, you'll see this happening more and more now. And and as China has become, uh, as the PRC became more autocratic, it's become much more difficult for journalists to function inside the People's Republic of China. It's been harder for them to find people to talk to as well because people are reluctant to talk to them as well. Now, Taiwan, of course, being a different country and a democratic country and also a country where you have a lot of expertise on uh, the internal politics of the People's Republic of China across the strait, of course, it's a natural place where uh, where you would go and ask these questions now. Um, But, yeah, lots of international uh, media company, lots of foreign correspondents have moved uh, from Hong Kong uh, and from China over to Taiwan now, and they report on on, on China from Taiwan rather than uh, that's That's pretty normal. Even if you did go to the trouble of going through the quarantine and so on to be in China when that 20th Party Congress happened, would, would it actually be worth it? Would you get any access and would you be able to ask people what they thought? It's not a really fun place for journalists to work anymore, especially if they don't have Chinese. I think it would be even more difficult because then you have to rely on translators. Chinese people have to protect themselves as well from their own government, and one of the ways to protect themselves is to simply not to talk to people. In Taiwan, they've been observing the internal politics of the People's Republic of China since its foundation, and it's a perfectly legitimate place to send a journalist to, to report on China nowadays. 20 years ago or 10 years ago, I'd say that would be unusual. But we live in, in uh, what's called Xi Jinping's new era now. And the new era, unfortunately, means uh, increased autocracy, 
decreased freedom of speech and a lot more fear on, on behalf of Chinese people to actually talk about what they really think. But given that uh, Taiwan is, you know, existentially in dispute with China, China regards it as still part of uh, the Chinese state, doesn't that in one sense make it exactly the worst place for a Western journalist to go uh, if you want to uh, have your reports taken seriously as, uh, you know, dispassionate and impartial when it comes to um, the People's Republic of China? It's not that that was the only source that uh, Kushla got. I mean, she had an interview with the ambassador of the People's Republic of China in New Zealand as well. And it's not like she's only been interviewing people uh, in Taiwan uh, about this, even though she was reporting from Taiwan. And some of the media organizations in Taiwan, I mean, they well have sources inside the PRC. Uh, if, if people are thinking this, that, that, that it's, it's biased and a problem, it's because they really don't understand what's going on inside the PRC now and just how difficult it is for people, to, a journalist, to do their job uh, properly. And finally, uh, Sir John Key uh, raised a few eyebrows when those comments of hers appeared in uh, that rather glowing piece in the Global Times, which is a Chinese Communist Party-controlled media outlet, effectively. I mean, do you think it matters that he was quoted in that? Yeah, but that wasn't the only thing he did, either. He even refused to say that Xi Jinping was authoritarian in a TV interview a few weeks back. And that was an interview for New Zealand, a New Zealand media outlet. Even if they do have uh, critical things to say, nothing that they say is critical is going to appear in it. And it doesn't give him a very good look at all, really. That was Catherine Churchman, lecturer in Asian Studies at Victoria University of Wellington, talking to me there about coverage of the 20th Congress of the Chinese Communist Party in Beijing this week, which cemented the rule of President Xi Jinping, which TVNZ covered from Taiwan, along with reports on the growing tension between China and Taiwan.